tried to figure out how to shut one of them off. Uh, another time we had other water pipes break and things go down and fire one year. And uh, This year we had a storm. I hadn't seen any storms like this. It took the shingles off a lot of homes. So, But it's interesting that uh, I know the right time to leave. <laughs> anyway... One of the things that we we did when we went to Florida was we went specifically to have a family re, uh, gathering, uh, and I was lucky, lucky, fortunate, blessed, blessed to have all of my children but one show up. And I don't know why he didn't come, but I think God sees that same thing in His family too. So we had a joyful time of having a family. So I was thinking on something else for a sermon, but since I was there, this is the start or what caused the sermon for today. And it's going to be on making a functional family. Uh, I've got 19 points, so don't worry. That's three hours down the line. (laughs) I don't think I'll get to it. First of all, look at the definition of a family because it was enjoyable. I really enjoyed being down there. So I looked up a definition of a family. It's a principal social group consisting of parents and their offsprings, the principal function of which is is its members. So that's a, a definition. A, number two would be one's wife or husband and one's children. So they're trying to say you can have a single family, you know, husband and his children or wife and the children or anything else. One's children and distinguished from one's husband or wife. Another definition could be in in so much of the time in computers, you have computer families. You know, we have a Microsoft computer family from wherever they started through, I think it's 10 now. Or you can have the the main chip that they put into computers, and they got the, that family of these chips, and they, they list all their things. It could be a national family, and we know that uh, Daryl did a series of sermons on turning to our father. So a national family of Israel, turning back to the fathers, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, uh, and the different family members. It's also could be a Native American family or it could be a in the French quarters, uh, Louisiana in that area, the French families or German families or Dutch or whatever, different families. So we we know that the definition of a family is a group of people bound together in one way or another. It's a, a, but the principle, the fall, the principle falls underneath it. It's the mother, the father, the mother, and the children. Uh, when I was thinking of the national families, I remember back it was either Japan or China. In the businesses, in the business community, they would bring their whole organization together and have songs and things, and they they call that their family. So it is. The principal thing is the father, the mother, and the children. 
which make up a combination of people. In my family, and I, that's why I was looking at this, I have eight children, and we were able to get together with our eight children and their spouse, our seven children and their spouses. Um, would you believe 12 of the 24 grandchildren? <laughs> and I think it was seven or eight, seven of our great-grandchildren uh, at that same day that we got together on a Sunday after the 4th of July, we had the, uh, the, the eighth grandchild there, but it, it wasn't quite finished. It, it was finished a week later. <laughs> uh, I like to think of having all these grandchildren. I still have two more great-grandchildren in the hangar, so they haven't come to the tarmac yet. So We have a pretty good-sized family, and I enjoyed my family. I learned a lot. We were able to find we had difficulties at times, but we pulled together at other times. Uh, I was able to play uh, it's something like horseshoes, but it's a board with it's it got bean bags and a hole, and you try to throw it in with one of my grandchildren, and that was a lot of fun. and And we and I spent a lot of time with one of my grandsons uh, because we lived in his dad's house for three, two weeks, and then two of the other grandchildren lived at their house for a week. So I really enjoy it, and I look forward to that opportunity to spend it with my family, because you can learn a lot when you, when you work together as a family. Let me get down here. I had two questions I wanted to bring up for you to think about and weigh on your particular family. The first one is, what do you think about your family? What is the motivating factor? When you look at your individual family, husband, wife, children, what, what part of that is so important to you? You reflect back on that. And the other is, how would you express your feelings about your family? So you think about your family, but then how do you express those feelings for that family? I've got a quote here from a young person who wrote about their family. It says, To me, family means a lot more than a, a, relative, than a relative by blood or marriage. It means the people who uh, accept you no matter who you are. And think about that. Is that your family? Do they accept you because you are you? whether you're the father or the mother or a brother or sister, do they accept you? Where there's no hate, hatred or judgment. Now think about that. When you're thinking about, how do I think of my family? Do they have hatred and judgment of me? I saw that in my family back in Florida. It's easy to look at. It's easy to find that happening in your family, especially when you have, what, almost 50 people in your family, and, um, and it's growing. But when you get together, and there was about 25 or 30 right there, you can see judgment. You can see questions. You can see sometimes hatred. 
the love of a family should be unconditional. And think about that because I'll cover some of that, hopefully. Is your family unconditional? Everyone should try their best to provide all they can for the people in their family. Do you, as an individual, mother, father, children, do you try to provide something for your family? Emotional, uh, financial, emotionally? Can you provide emotional stability in your family? Or how about financial? And I've seen families where the husband would sit at home and have the wife do everything. Or the husband would work and come home and expect the wife to, to do everything. And she had two or three children, and in our case, eight children, you know, took a lot of help on my part and the part of my oldest daughter to, to keep the family running. When you have eight kids, it's work. <laughs> I see my uh, youngest daughter with two boys, and it's a lot of work for her. So, financially, the dad should be the supporter. Emotional, he should be the supporter, too. Family, continuing, family is the people that everyone deserves to feel secure and comfortable with. How about that? Can you feel comfortable around the rest of your family? Everything people learn comes from the way their families brought, brought them up. Look at your past, your history. Why are fathers one way? Why are mothers one way? Why are you as children, young people, why do you act the way you act? If you look back at how you grew up in your home. I grew up in for 12 years in Cleveland, Ohio. And then for 15 years in Florida, around Tampa, in Dade City. So I spent a lot of time in Florida. But then, as God says back in the beginning, in Genesis 2... A man will leave his father and his mother and marry his wife, and those two become one. And so when I got married in 1958, I started a new family. And was I emotionally... You know, I have to say back then, I was going to school. My wife was actually making more than I was making. But I was still going to school. And it was a lot of money back then. She made, I think, $80 a month, $40 a month. Oh, and so I decided I went to work, and I was making $20 a week. And so I said, this isn't any good. I'm going to join the Air Force and make money. I got $80 a month. No, it was, yeah, it was $80 a month, wasn't it? Yeah. So I got a big increase. Uh, but I did get an increase when they gave my wife some money, which helped out. Continuing, I think a family is most important thing in a person's life. Well, it is as a building block. It should be an important aspect. But the most important thing in our life here in the church is not your physical family, it's your spiritual family. 
That's the most important thing in your life. is your relationship with your father and your future husband. That's the most important thing. And here this person said the most important thing is in a person's life. And that's right. Family relationships are. A family enlarges their children, educates their children. Uh, I think first education begins in the family. And it does. When you have a baby, it knows nothing except feed me, take care of me, dry me, you know. That's what their thoughts are. But as they grow, as you as a parent teach, that becomes an important factor. A child doesn't learn anything in her or his family. I think... uh, If a child doesn't learn anything, I get it right there. Uh, I think she she or he cannot be uh, successful. We must be careful about our families. We are the crown of their heads. And don't we sing a song that says, "Blessed Blessed and happy is the man who his children, his wife is the beautiful thing and the children are like olive plants around the table I think that's an important factor I want to look at God's definition and that's basically what I'm going to try to cover is God's definition of the church family we here this little group are a church family other groups, their church family. And sometimes their church family is expanding. Some of them much bigger than ours. But we still are a family. We still have God as our Father and Christ as our husband. And He and Christ, Father and Christ, are the important aspects of our family life. The church, we know to be the mother. So, the most important definition we can come to the fact is who is the father? Who is our father? Who is the husband? And what is the church's responsibility? So I put down here the SPS as what makes a functional family. How can we be a functional family family, church family, and even in our physical families. It goes both ways. Physical and spiritual families have to be together. If your physical family is dysfunctional, you have a hard time being a functional church member. Most of us lived through a time when... That's not coming across... Mm. Well, we can use this one. So the first point that I have, it might have quit. I, I thought, I, well, I changed the batteries in the, the thing here, and I turned it on before I walked up here, but uh, it's electronics. They have their faults. But this worked this work, this is good. <laughs> the... Uh, The first point to have a functional 
family, a functional church family, a functional family in God's way of life is respect. If we don't have respect for each other, we're going to have a difficulty. We will become dysfunctional. Respect, in part, is the most important aspect. Because if we can't respect each other, we have to ask ourselves, why am I here? We saw that happen in the church. I can remember it. We lost respect for God first. We lost respect for Christ and we started going our own way. We became laxed in everything we did. And I'm talking about the whole church of God. It wasn't Mr. Armstrong. He died. It wasn't Joe Tkach, even though I feel that he was put in that job because we as people didn't respect God. And he gave us he gave us what we should have. You know, he tells us that he puts in charge the basest of the people. Our, in the society today, we look at this nation. Look at the leadership, the uh, Congress. They can't they can't work together. They fight back and forth. Nobody can agree on anything. If you're a Democrat, you're good, and if you're a Republican, you're evil. And if you're a Republican and you're looking at Democrats, they're evil. So, you know, it's, it's, it's dysfunctional. The whole system is dysfunctional. But there's no respect for each other there. All people in the family, brothers, sisters, mothers, fathers, parents, of the kids must be respectful of each other consistently, as most consistently as possible. I mean, you can't just look down on your children. Uh, we will learn that. And we have learned that. Children have to look at their parents and put them as their teachers. As a parent, if you cannot be respected, how do you expect your children to respect you? You can't. It won't happen. If you're a, if you're a tyrant... Uh, one of my daughter-in-laws doesn't really respect her dad like she ought to, but he was so oppressive on her that he that she just lost respect. I've got a granddaughter who told me personally, I do not respect my dad because of the way he treated me. And I've been there. She was the youngest of the four. And she was always the... She wasn't the youngest. She was next to the youngest. The youngest was a boy. But she fell in the crack and her dad didn't like... And she told us, sitting there and talking with her, I don't respect my dad. I don't love him because of the way he did. So as a parent, do we treat our children respectfully? Do we treat our children with love? Yeah, there's times you have to spank them. You can't enable them. I mean, if they do something wrong, no doubt you've got to point them in the right direction. You cannot let your children run over you. You cannot let your children be the boss 
You cannot let your children be your buddy. They're your children. Even even if you're like I am, 77 years old, my children are not my buddies. They're my children. And my grandchildren are my grandchildren, and great-grandchildren are down the line. But we have to be that way with each other and in the church of God. We have to be considerate of each other in love. And if we don't do that, if we don't love them, then we won't be considerate of them. Go to, let's see, first of all, you think about who is the church father. So, you know, God is the Father. Christ Himself said, I of Myself can do nothing. What I hear of the Father, that I do. So Christ set us an example. Remember in the Passover? When Christ washed their feet, He said, I set you an example. His whole life was an example of how to live. His whole life, He showed respect and love to the Father. And so we have to, first of all, respect God as the Father. No way around it. If we cannot respect God, and we have to learn this that as a physical human being, that's why we're here is in a training session. We as people learn to love our parents, our Father, and that way then we can love God the Father. But if we don't love Him, you know, we have Matthew 25 where Christ said, the way we treat each other physically is the way we treat Him. The way we treat each other, the way we treat our physical fathers or, or whatever God puts there as a, as a leadership, that's the way we treat God. Now, we can say we don't do that, but Christ said that's the way it is. And when you want to fight somebody or argue about it, Argue with God and see where you get. You'll have a difficulty time. So first of all, we have to love and respect God as our Father. The Ten Commandments teach us that. The first four teach us to love God. Christ speaking to the people on Mount Sinai said, I am the Lord your God. He said, I am the Lord your God. That brought you out of the land of Egypt. So it was Christ that brought them out, not Moses. Moses brought them out, but Moses followed the dictations or the direction of Christ. So he always reflected back that God did that. We as people say, oh, well... It was Moses' fault, or, or today it was Herbert Armstrong's fault, or it was Joe DeCotch's fault, or in our little group, it was Daryl's fault. Well, that's what it gets down to. I'm going to be honest, to face it. We don't want to say, God, why did you do that? And see if he gives us an answer. So the first commandment is, you have no other gods before me. You don't make some image and say, This is our God. What did they do? While Moses was up there getting the Ten Commandments, what did Israel do? They built a calf out of gold. 
and said, oh, this is our God. The very second commandment. They said, oh, God's not God anymore. This piece of gold is God. Third commandment says you don't take God's name in vain. When Christ had to say, in vain do they worship me, teaching for commandments or doctrines the commandments of men. And is that happening today? Does it not happen all over the church? If you're not in my group, you're not in God's church. Where does that come from? It doesn't come from God. God broke the church up. You can look that up. We've covered that time and time again in the past 15 years. That it was God that broke up the church because we, as people, disrespected Him. So what else could He do? He did it for our benefit that we come to the point that we finally say, hey, that was God. I've got to change my attitude. The fourth commandment, to honor God, is to keep the Sabbath. And that's what we're doing. We have to come and keep the Sabbath. And, what, and there's a lot of scriptures that cover keeping the Sabbath. I'm just not going to cover them because there's not time because it takes days. But I admonish you to go back. Read what it means to keep the Sabbath day. What does it require of you to keep the Sabbath? To come to church, sit in a seat, listen to somebody speak for an hour or so, and then go home and do your own thing? Forget what you've learned? Forget the brothers and sisters that are here? Forget everything that was taught and do your own deal. And that so happened in the church. And so, when we did that, because I can remember doing that. You know, I was part of the church back then. When I first came in in 1963, started attending church, baptized in 64, we gave up everything. We were, I guess you'd say, hard-nosed, uh, our nose to the grindstone. We, we didn't venture very far from the Sabbath. We were learning about the Sabbath. We changed every place, everything we did. We gave up our families. We had to tell our parents that first year, before we were baptized, before we were baptized, not to send our two little girls Christmas gifts, because that's not right. We had to do that. And we didn't keep Christmas. We gave all that up. So keeping the Sabbath leads us to loving God because He said, I rested on the Sabbath day. You need to rest on the Sabbath day from your daily work, your daily activities, everything that you do. That's what He pointed that out for. To come and recognize God the Father and Jesus or Emmanuel. We can say Emmanuel if God is with us. If, we're, if God is not with us, then I guess we can go ahead and say Jesus. Jesus, the, the, the Savior to come. But if He is with you, if you have His Spirit dwelling in you, and you're walking His way, you should be able to say Emmanuel. God is with me. I walk, talk, play, work with Christ. That's what it's got to be. 
It's the respect to God. That's respect to Christ. Then he gives us a second set, six more to say, how you deal with each other. And the way we deal with each other is the way we're going to deal with God. We can't, if we can't respect each other, how are we going to respect God? Can't do it. We think we can. We, we can manufacture things in our mind. And it's so easy to do that. It's so easy to say, well, nobody's watching me. And I remember back. Now here, we're living in a little tight-knit community. We see each other every day. One way or another. Maybe just driving by or they might walk by or whatever. And so we have to be on our toes, so to speak, that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show I'm a Christian. I'm showing God's with me. Those that are living in the world, they see each other on a Sabbath. Well, then what? You don't see anybody. You don't have the opportunity to say, well, um, there's Nelson. He, he, he slipped up a little bit. Or there's Gordon. He's, he's slipping here and there. He's not doing right. Or Daryl's not doing right. Or Terry's doing something wrong. Or Will, you know, this is the leadership, you know, that God, God put here. Not Daryl. Not Gordon. Not me. Not Terry. Not Will. God selected the leadership. I tried to get out of it when they said, we'll make you an elder. And I said, no, I'm not qualified for it. I went from 64 to 69 before I was ever made a deacon. And I served in the church. And they come up and said, we're going to make you a deacon. And I said, why? It won't change anything. Yeah, it'll change something. We'll just give you more to do. You know, not what you're doing. If you're a deacon, we can give you more to do. And when you become an elder, well, we just give you more to do. There's more to do. So the last six of the commandments are to teach us how to respect each other. So God realized, He said, I need you to respect me, but in order to respect me, I'm going to give you six things to do so that you learn to respect each other, then you can respect me. And if you can't respect each other, you know, and what does that mean? Children, love your parents. You don't steal. You don't lie. You don't commit adultery. You know, these, these things are teaching us how to respect each other and in turn respect God. So you say, well, how does stealing keep me from respecting God? Easy. Because if I take from somebody else or I cheat or I have a little white lie, uh, you're going to have a tendency to tell God a little white lie. You'll get on your knees and say, oh, I'm sorry I did all these things. And get up from your prayer and you go out and you do the same thing over again. Did you tell a white lie? Or did you really mean it? As I was going over this prayer, I got to thinking, if I could just... Get the attitude of those that's recorded in Hebrews 11. If I could just be that dedicated, that committed, that respectful for God as those that are recorded there in Hebrews 11, then I could set a goal. Well, it has a goal. Can I do that? 
I don't want to be like Job and have boils from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet and every place else all over your body. You can't sit down. You can't lay down. You know, I've had uh, headaches. One time I've had a migraine headache and you couldn't do nothing. Cannot do anything. Don't want to be that way. I've had cases where I got so dizzy it took me two days to get over it. And all I could do is lay and vomit. Nothing there. I don't want to be that way. Maybe God's saying, you want to be like Hebrews 11 people? You really want to respect me and have the attitude that those people had? Then change your attitude. Change your way of thinking. Like Christ said, I can do nothing of my own self except the Father tell me. Christ set the example. That is the key factor of respect toward God. It was Christ who was nailed to the stake, not anybody else. It was Christ who was tied to a stake, ripped his flesh off with a, with a whip that you could be healed. And I long to see that. And Daryl longs to see that. I'm sure Gordon longs to see that we go and anoint somebody and they're instantly healed. What's the problem? Me, Gordon, Daryl, or you? We have to start thinking. Where is our respect? Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 5. There's a lot of scriptures. I, I just chose this one because it talks a lot about family relationships. Respect. Hebrew, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Paul says, Be you followers of God as dear children. So he starts it out by saying, Look, follow God. As a family member, if you're the husband... If you're the father in a physical family, you want your children to follow you. You better set the right examples. You better do right. And here, Paul says, God is right. God is good. God is great. Be you followers of God as dear children. So, Paul says, you're children of God. You better get your act together and start following Him. And walk in love as Christ has loved us and has given Himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. How about it? It talks of love. Do I have to say, Nelson, do you love the rest of the people that are in the congregation? Do I love the rest of the church that's scattered around the world? Can I go to another group and love those people? Or am I at the point to say, I'm better than you are? I had that opportunity in Florida to meet with three people in two different groups. And yes, they were friends. And yes, I've known them for one for about the same time I've known George. 
for over 40 years. The other I've known for the time that we were in Fort Myers in Miami. Do I love them? Do I respect them? Yes. Can you love somebody else in another church? Can you respect them? How about here? But he goes on to say, fornication and uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becoming saints. We've got to be careful. It's going back, doesn't it? Talk of the last six commandments. That's what he's emphasizing here. Whatever it is that we do that will offend or destroy another person, then you're offending and destroying God. Verse 8. Verse 8. For you were sometimes darkness. Yes, I can remember. Like I said, I came in the church, I think it was 25 years old. Up until that time, I knew nothing of God. Didn't know nothing. I was in darkness when it comes to understanding who God is and what He's for us. But now, you're in the light of the Lord. Notice, it says, walk as children of light. In other words, change your position, your facts of life. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. You can go to Galatians 5.22 and read the fruits of the Spirit. How many of those do you fall short on? How many of those do you comply with? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, lascivious. You know, how many of those things? How many of those things do you fall into? Do you fall short someplace? Work on that. Because if you fall short on the fruits of the Spirit, you might be falling short in your respect for God. Verse 10. Proving. Oh, we have to prove something? Prove what is acceptable to God. We want to respect God. We want to respect Christ. We want to respect each other. Then we need to prove what's acceptable to God. Is it, ex- is it acceptable? Whatever I do in my life, does God accept that? If I cheat somebody, does, does that respect God? If I lie to them, does that respect God? If as a child, and we are children of God, if we look down on God some way, are we respecting God? If we look down on our physical fathers, or on, as Hebrews 11, or as Darrell pointed out in the sermons on Uh, turning to our fathers, God puts people and they have a father position in a group. Do we respect them? Or do we fall short on that part? Because if we fall short on who God puts in charge, just as Israel, they did not respect Moses. We saw that Aaron and Miriam didn't respect Moses. God put him in charge. They suffered. Korah, Dathan, Abiram, 
270 of the leadership disrespected Moses. They didn't disrespect Moses. They disrespected God. What happened? God didn't take it lightly, did He? He put them under the ground. He opened the ground up, swallowed up a group of them, and the others, He just killed them. 270 of the leadership plus a few others. Because we don't respect God and we don't realize what God's and hadn't proved proving what is acceptable to God. And that's on an individual basis and on a church group basis and on the church overall basis. Do we prove what's acceptable to God? Or do we go by tradition? Tradition of the people around. Verse 15. See then that you walk circumspect, not as fools, but as wise. Walk around using wisdom and go through the Proverbs and learn about wisdom and what it means. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Are we spending the time to find out our relationship and our respect for each other and respect for God. Time is short. I mean, we hear that here. You can go on the internet. You can even begin to hear it on the general news. The days are pretty evil. Time is coming short. Where do you stand? Do you have time? Do you have time to sit back and say, okay, I'll uh, do my own thing? No. You don't have time. It says, redeem that time because it's coming short. Wherefore, be you not unwise, but understanding what is the will of Christ. What is Christ's will? We need to spend the time. That's why we always hear, you know, you should spend the time reading your Bible because the Bible is the truth. One of my grandsons said, what is truth? Not what you hear every place. He was referring back to the only truth is God's truth. That's truth. Everything else is anything else. It leads you away from the truth. We don't have time as people to look at somebody else and condemn them. We don't have that time. We have to work on this, number one. And it's difficult. I know it's very difficult. Verse 21, Submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. So here we have the responsibility to respect each other. We've got to respect each other. Submitting that, hey, maybe they're right. I cover that a little better in another point. Wives, verse 22, submit yourselves to your own husband as to the Lord. So, Paul said, and this is important because if, if you can submit as a wife to your husband as the wife-to-be of Christ, are we submitting ourselves to Christ? 
and that's how you have to look at it. You have to look at it physical and spiritual. It has to be a combination. What you do physically has to be spiritual. And as a body, whether you're a male or female, we all have to submit to Christ. We all have to submit to Christ. For the husband is the head of the wife. And we saw that God said, God created a man and then the woman. But the man is of the woman. But the woman came from the man. So we have to understand that God put authority in the, in the family relationship to see that there's authority in the spiritual relationship. We have to look at God the Father and Christ. Christ is the husband. He is the head of the church. He directs the direction. He directs everything about it. So husbands, the husband is the head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church and He is the Savior of the body. Christ gave His life that we could be where we are today. Verse 28, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. And he that loves his wife loves himself. So as you're a man here, how well do you love your, your wife? What will you do for your wife? Will you give your life for your wife? Christ gave His life for His wife. He took a lot of beating, a lot of abuse, a lot of calling of names and accusations that never did for His wife. Verse 30, For we are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. So here, Paul says, we as people are a part of Christ. As Adam was first and then the wife, Christ is first and then the wife. We are of Christ. So the church is the body of Christ then. The church is the family of Christ. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself and the wife see <coughs> that she respects her husband. Well, again it's emphasizing that we as people must learn to respect Christ and the Father. That is so important. That's why it is the first point to being a church family, to being a family of God, is our respect and love toward Christ. Ephesians 6, verse 1. So you children think you get away from it. We're all children of God. And it says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So for children, they must respect their parents. And as Adult children, we must respect our parents. Honor your father and your mother. Are we honoring Christ the father, uh, as, or our father and, 
and the mother, the church, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Well, we want to be a part of what Christ is doing. We've got to spend that time. And fathers, and I brought this up earlier, verse 4 of chapter 6, fathers, provoke not your children to, to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admiration of Christ. So the church has a responsibility to teach. Romans chapter 10 talks about that. It says, if you don't know God, you need to learn of God. And how can you learn of God if you don't have a preacher? And if you don't have a preacher, how can, how can a guy preach if he's not given that job to preach? So it's, it's all interrelated. We've got to honor each other if we're going to honor God and respect God. So the first important point then is respect. Ask yourself as you look into your life, as you look back on where you were before, where you're going. You've got to have the whole picture. Mr. Armstrong said, you know, we suffer sometimes, but the end, in the end, we win. Well, the only way you're going to win is you put God first. Prove all your all that you do. Follow the commandments. Respect God as the Father. And I'll give you one because it's a short one. I'll give you a point two then because it's short. And I'm running out of time. I'm running out of time because the guy that God put in charge says you should speak an hour, and, and I want to honor. That respect, you know, that's respecting God and Christ and you by following what's given to us. It's an emotional, safe environment. That's number two. Is our environment that we live in, is it safe, is it emotionally safe, or is it not emotionally safe? All members of the family can state their opinions thoughts, wants, dreams, desires, and feelings without the fear of being slammed, uh, shunned, belittled, or dismissed. Is that here? Do we do that here? I so often said, told my wife, I said, I can't have an opinion because I've run into this so many times. I cannot have an opinion. Everybody else has their opinion. Everybody else can state what they believe and how they believe. But when you try to bring yours up, they don't want to listen. Is that who we are? Are we as people can state the way I believe, the way I study, the way I do things? But when the other person comes back and says, well, I want to do well, we don't have time to hear that. That's an emotion. That's a... Emotional instability. Emotionally, stability is you're willing to hear what the other person thinks. And 
I've heard that. I mean, I've had thoughts and want to do things this way, and and uh, and I listen, and I find that I can learn. When I first moved from Houston to uh, South Florida to Immokalee, I went there on a handshake. I thought I was a good beekeeper. You know, I gave up electronics to be a beekeeper. I'm going to support my family with beekeeping. Uh, it was tough in Houston. Uh, I had to go over 300 miles to Lubbock to, to make a crop. I had to go almost to Victoria to make a crop. I could make one crop around Houston, but it couldn't produce enough to support my family. So I went to Florida. I'm a good beekeeper. I've been beekeeping now for since 65. Uh, you know, I had three or four hives, and you know, and I knew everything it was. So I took a handshake, and I could have told the man that I went to work for. I know all that. Don't tell me that. Well, he'd been running bees probably longer than I have. He had a pretty good operation going. So I was willing to say, okay, I'll let you teach me. And it worked. And sometimes somebody else has an opinion. And we all, you know, my wife states so many times, there's many ways to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Uh, there's many ways to have put uh, spaghetti together. You can put the noodles down and then you can put some sauce on it and some cheese on it or you can mix it all together. What difference does it make? You're going to get mixed together anyway. But that happens in life and even here in the church. I know I've probably been hard-headed and Will can probably say he knows that. He's hit that hard head. And Daryl probably has. and you know, George I know has. He smiles about it. <laughs> but sometimes... You might have a good idea, and somebody else says, if you do it a little bit different, well, I don't want to hear that. My way is the only way. Well, is it an emotionally safe environment for you to lose control and jump on them? No, it's not right. Sometimes we, we just come unglued on I know I do. I have to, I have to admit that. I, I'm wrong in so many ways. But I want to see here in Anatos, I want to see in the Church of God worldwide, although it's no longer the worldwide Church of God, but it's God's Church scattered everywhere, I want to see an emotional stability because it is the family of God. And I want to be able to hear somebody else give their impression of what you should do. Maybe it's digging a ditch and this person knows better to dig a ditch. It's changing a tire or whatever it is. Baking a cake or... And I wouldn't try to go out there and tell my wife how to bake a cake. I wouldn't try to tell Pat how to make bread. I just won't do that. I won't tell anybody. I wouldn't tell Rachel how to serve tables. I have no idea. I don't want to do it anyway. You have to have a personality for it. But maybe I could see a, a problem and I had this happen in in Wellex 
that I saw a problem in the functioning of the division I was in and could point it out and they were willing to listen and made the change and it worked out. So the first key to emotional, I mean to being a church family because that's where we're going. We're going to be the wife of Christ. Some of our children could be the children of the wife of Christ. So it is a church family. And so working together right here, first of all, we have to respect each other. We have to respect the responsibility they have, their thoughts, their, their background. Uh, I wouldn't tell Terry or Will how to make cabinets. Because uh, if they tried to make it like I did the first time, nobody would buy it. So I have to respect them. I have to respect the women here. I have to respect the leadership. And then I have to be emotionally stable. So I can help each other. And you can help me. And if I see something that needs to be changed and you don't want to hear it, are we emotionally stable? Think about that. So I've got many other things to say and what I'll do is I'll just mark this. And uh, sometime in the future, if I remember, that's a problem with me. You know, I've got that point. I, I told my wife, I said the other day, I, I drank a beer. We are working on a car and I drank a beer. And after I drank that beer, I couldn't even put words together. I mean, it's, it's, it's terrible. I was trying to say, say some things. I couldn't remember it. So if I can remember, I've got eight more pages or ten more pages or something. But for right now, work on those two things. Work on respecting each other. That's the most important. And once we learn to respect each other, and we're willing to, you know, listen to each other and be emotionally stable. We're headed in the right direction. 